gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast, episode 30. Today is December 21st, 2021, Tuesday. I'm your host, John June. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. And of course, wouldn't be a show without my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, how are we feeling today, man? I'm feeling good, bro. I, I meant to tell you. Bro, I really like those glasses that you be wearing. You look very studious. Very handsome look you got going on. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, the the vision is still good. 2020 vision. Don't worry about it. Your boy can still see. Uh, these are just more, you know, these are blue light glasses. I spent a lot of time, um, you know, between work and, you know, podcasting, YouTubing, spending a lot of time in front of, you know, computer screen and whatnot. So, I have to protect the eyes so I can maintain that 2020 vision so that hopefully these eyes can lay themselves on a New York Jets football team that is proud to root for, uh, hopefully a championship one. Uh, But at this point in time, I would take a competent one. Um, But our New York Jets, they surprised us on Sunday, shooting out to a 10-0 lead. Over the Miami Dolphins, um, you know, that lead eventually became 17 to 10. Um, and it was pretty much downhill from there, uh, eventually losing 31 to 24 to the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, this was a game where the Jets were undermatched. You, you know, the there was some talk about the, the Dolphins dealing with some COVID issues, obviously Jalen Waddell and you know, safety Javon Holland and um, whether that was a concern for them. But the Dolphins, you know, still were a you know a better team coming into this game, regardless of those injuries. I mean, the Jets came into this game as eight-point underdogs. And then when those COVID situations happened around the league, we saw lines, you know, moving in, in terms of the favor of the team of that, that you know, that was not dealing with COVID in, in – the Jets case, we saw it be the exact opposite. The line was actually getting bigger where it eventually came a nine and a half and a 10 point lead here uh, or 10, 10 point spread here against the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, the Jets end up covering this game here ultimately uh, for those that, you know, look look at this from a betting interest. But in terms of the actual game here, it was a story of two halves, right, where you are excited uh not excited per se but you you know you're feeling good as a Jets fan you know you've got a 10 nothing lead on a division rival um you know and you're pretty much controlling this game for two quarters of football uh, you know you feel really good Zach Wilson looked comfortable in that first half probably the most comfortable we've seen him in this Jets offense um pretty much all season you know and that's a compliment when you consider there's no you know no Corey Davis no Elijah Moore um, you know, the offensive line is banged up. You got no George fan in there. So it was good for a half, um, but as been the case much of the year, a half of good football was pretty much all we got from rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. I mean, his performance, again, up and down, 
Um, not much consistency. I mean, he didn't uh, didn't have an interception here. Did have a, a fumble that you know I don't know if you can entirely blame him um, when you consider you know the effort that he's getting from Denzel Mims on on the slant route or you know the the the, the work that's being given to Connor Connor McDermott there, but. All in all, it was an up and down performance, somewhat underwhelming here from from Zach Wilson. Um, and, and I don't know if it's underwhelming because he started off hot and I felt, you know, felt good about it because coming into it, I don't have much expectations. Right. Like offensive line is banged up. This is a good Miami defense that has played really well in these last few weeks. Uh, Jalen Phillips, the, you know, the edge rusher, rookie edge rusher has been coming on coming on strong as, as well as the, you know, the rest of the guys on that defense and and the jets were going in this game under undermanned at receiver with, you know, their best, the only receiver that they have that can consistently beat man to man coverage and Elijah Moore being out with both COVID and injury. So it, you didn't really feel great about this situation coming into this game here for Zach Wilson, but I, all in all, like I saw what I saw and then I let, I was left wanting more and I have to understand that it's not entirely his fault. Right. There's there's other things at play here in terms of like, you know, you said it before, like the, the receivers that are trying to get separation for him, like those guys out there that were out there on Sunday are not getting separation. So how can you expect the quarterback to really have success there in that situation? So I've been talking a lot, Frank, but I just yeah, there's a lot got to get off our chest here. How are you feeling, you know, as a result, you know, basically after after Sunday, you know, while also keeping in mind a, a full lens view here. I think that's important, right? To keep the full, the full view of what we want to see going forward. And what do we want out of Zach Wilson going forward is progress. Right. And I think, I think we saw that. I think we have been seeing that like, and when I talk about progress is the things that he did not do well in the beginning of the season, is he improving on that? And I, I would say yes. Like, he's not turning the ball over. You pointed out that slant by Denzel Mims. If you guys get a chance, turn on the All-22, and you could see the worst slant route in the history of slant routes. Like, when Denzel Mims was going out of his break, I, I think he just rounded it. Like, he didn't make a cut. There was no head fake. There was no getting the defensive back's hips locked up, you know. And I think that's why we're not seeing Denzel Mims when we have everybody get on the field because it just looks like he's a lazy route runner. You know, we might be getting to the point where we have to start talking about that Stephen Hill – might be a better New York Jet than Zenzel Mims. But, no, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I leave the, you know, the, the historical player comparisons to, uh, you, know, to <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a shame because I, I was a huge fan of Denzel Mims when he was coming yeah, out. I he just he looks lazy. He just looks lazy. Yeah, he, I mean, he does not look anywhere near, you know, the talent that we thought that I mean, I definitely thought that was coming out of the University of Baylor, you know, back in you know 2020. Um, it it, it kind of makes you wish that the jet, like, it's almost 
It's like the Jets really needed a receiver, and it's now it's like they never took one, right? Like it's like the the first one they took was Elijah Moore, you know, and it's like that cupboard is yeah, and everybody I'm, was praising everyone was praising JD how he worked how he worked the board, you know, he traded down, traded down. Traded I mean, down we can't get was- mad because Jet fans all wanted. All I mean, not all Jet fans, but we like we can't get mad at JD. I know I personally can't get mad at JD because when he took Denzel Mims, when he did, he did exactly what I wanted him to do. Yeah, yeah like, I would have. Oh, without a doubt, when J, JD is getting a lot of flack for that 2020 uh, draft class, but you also like when I look at that, like he was also working with McCagan and scouts at that point. Like he didn't bring his own scouts in, besides from. Uh, Rex and uh, I forget the other head head of the scouting department that he brought in from that was running the sorry Chad Alexander yes so those are the only two guys that were that were in there at that point but when you look at it Makai well before we get into a huge dive in on the 2020 draft class let's let's get back into Zach Wilson and why I think he's progressing. When you talk about the Miami game, Miami has a very good defense. You talked about Jalen Phillips. We've gone back and forth on the beginning of the season, who we thought was better, Jalen Phillips or Greg Rousseau. Regardless, Jalen Phillips is having a monster rookie campaign. They have great defensive backs, great defensive backs, Three years, John. Three years. Great defensive backs. And the Jets receivers can't get any separation whatsoever. And I think the the Jets were playing it really safe with Michael Carter. I wanted to see Michael Carter a lot more than what we saw him. When they used him in the first quarter, we, me and you were texting back and forth. He looked like, looked like he never was had that sprained ankle. But for whatever reason... He only had eight carries, and Tevin Coleman had eight carries. I think he had nine touches. To Tevin Coleman day. He outtouched Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman just. I was. Lo- I'm just looking at PFF, and they have eight and eight. Oh, I yeah, I outtouched. I, I was saying totally. Oh, right. outtouched. Okay, yeah. outtouched. Um, yeah. So I mean, he had, you know. Uh, you know that yeah, he had nine touches to to Tevin Coleman's eight, and Coleman outgained him in yardage wise. You know, in terms of yardage, uh, you know, Michael Carter still looked good though. He was getting those tough yards. Uh, you know, breaking breaking contact, uh, breaking getting yards after contact rather. Uh, you know, we saw Zach Wilson actually do much better in the short passing game, being able to complete his. Short passes. I mean, I remember texting you at one point, like, "Wow, look who can complete a swing pass today." So, uh, definitely, there was some improvement there from Zach Wilson. He is, he does get, you know, does make those marginal improvements, and and maybe as a fan base, we we need some more patience. And and I know that that's a word that Jet fans don't want to hear right now because we feel like we have been patient to this point, and. You know, I, I feel like part of a like part of that is on us, right? Like, you know, we came in here, we named the show. Now we have liftoff. Like, it's happening now. Like, not like we're gonna lift off in a year from now. Like, we had high expectations coming into this year that this team was going to again, like, what we say, put itself on the map 
to yeah, the but next that's next year. I hear you for these playoffs. But and I told you that was your expectations. Those weren't my expectations. My expectations this year was to start seeing competitive football towards the end of the year, which is which we have, right? When you talk about the Philadelphia game, when you talk about this game, you know, you got to take the Saints game and kind of throw it out the window a little bit because the Saints has probably an exceptional defense. Look what they just did to the undermanned Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? So I'm going to take – we're not in that class yet, so I'm going to take that game. I'm going to throw it away. But what I'm looking for going into next year was us being competitive. And I think as Jet fans, we kind of fast fast-track that with – you know, Salah, all gas, no break, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Zach Wilson, and not realizing that these guys, these guys are rookies, that if we had any type of significant injury to this team, that there's going to be a significant drop off from the starter to the second string, because being that we did so terrible in our drafting under McCagnan, there is zero depth on this team. Yeah, I mean, but to be fair, though, right, like you, myself, any, like a lot of people that prognosticate about the Jets all picked them to hit over the six win win total put out there by Vegas, right? So, like, whether we thought that they were going to be good is not really the question. We thought that they would be competitive this year because, you know, you win six games. Like, Philadelphia is a six-win team. Like, like Washington's a six-win team. Like, that means you're like – you know, steal a, a line from, you know, my guy, Connor Rogers, like our guy, Connor Rogers, you know, you got to punch above your weight class a little bit and show that you can beat a team. The Jets have not done. I mean, they beat Tennessee, right? Like they beat Cincinnati without Zach Wilson, but like we expected them to, to beat the teams like the Philadelphia's like the, you know, split with Miami, be able to compete with new England, right? Like, the Jets don't even look like they're playing the same sport as some of these teams. And that is not what we expected coming into this year, right? Like we expected this year to be a building block, set an expectation, you know, set the the silver, you know, set the table for next year where you're like, okay, you know, maybe the Jets can win eight, nine games, get into a, you know, get into that wild card spot. Like what do we always talk about, Frank? Like when they, when they put that graphic up in December, when you're sitting there on Thanksgiving and they put up the in the hunt graphic. Like you want the jets to be in the hunt. They don't have to be in that wild card spot, the six or the seven seed, you know, the five, six or seven, they just have to be in the hunt. One of those teams that's in the hunt. And if they can do that next year, and it's not looking like it's not looking likely that they can do that right now, but again, a lot of things can happen between now and next year. But that's kind of where the, you know, the track that I had in my mind for this team. Yeah, but again, look at the injuries. Like, we haven't seen Mekhi Becton since week one. Elijah Moore started the year with a quad injury, and now he has a quad injury again, right? Carl Lawson, not there. Vinnie Curry, Marcus May, LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, both both rookie linebackers have been hurt. For no, a it's been bad. Time. They've had the worst injury luck in the league. It's It's been bad. So I mean, look but, that's, the but that's why, like, I thought six, I thought six to seven wins was our max, right? You're not reaching that when you have Connor McDermott starting at left tackle. 
Like it's no, impossible. I mean, he, he, I told you on the phone, he's by, he doesn't deserve to be on an active NFL roster. He's a practice squad player at this point. You know, yeah, I mean, maybe it, he can work combine... up to being a backup, but at this point, especially going against that Miami front, it was bad. No, totally. I mean, and then you combine, you know, like you said, you no, no Carl Lawson. You miss Bryce Huff for most of the year. So, you know, that's really going to affect your ability to rush the passer. I mean, this corner group, which we talked about as being a weakness, has been somewhat of a strength here. I mean, no safeties, uh, limited, you know, pass, inconsistent pass rush, I should say. Uh, but these corners, Bryce Hall, even Brandon Echols, who had a nice nice moment there with the pick six, uh, have, have been having their, you know, having their moments where they actually are able to compete against opponents where you know that they're, they're undermatched, right? They're punching above their weight class in a sense there. So another guy that's been impressive, he's had a nice stretch here, uh, essentially since the Cincinnati game, uh, Mike LaFleur, right? Like this is a guy that Jets fans were calling to get fired. Uh, I know that we had dragged him on this show for a little bit for, not doing his job, uh, whether he needed to be in the booth or whatever the heck that it was that needed to happen. Um, you know, this, like he had to, he's gotten so much better. Uh, some of the plays that he was calling, you know, the situational call that he made on the third and 15 there uh, to, to be able to call that hook and ladder and convert a first down uh, to have the, you know, the Barrios play down, down in the red zone, you know, the double pass, the, you know, the, uh, the pass that they, they attempted a, a pass to Zach Wilson in the end zone. So like he was calling all the bags. Like he, he was pulling everything out of his bag that he possibly could to try to steal a win. And that's all I've ever wanted from a Jets offensive coordinator is don't lay down and die. Like do whatever you have to do to try to steal a win, run as many trick plays. Like that's what Brian Dayball used to do with Buffalo like before like when they didn't have Josh Allen right like they lost a, I forgot who the quarterback was but they lost the quarterback and they ran they played against the Jets and all they just ran a ton of trick plays and they end up beating the Jets because of it but it's like give yourself an opportunity and Mike LaFleur does that yeah bro he like we've been saying we've been harping on this the last couple of weeks he's he's looking like the offensive uh, coordinator we thought we were getting uh, from San Francisco when you talk about that Shanahan offense and and whatnot, right? Like, really innovative. That was the craziest hook and ladder that I've ever seen. Like, normally it's normally it's you got a guy right behind right behind that receiver and he's just flipping it backwards. But this was like halfway. It was like from the middle of the field towards the nines. No, because it was it was literally third and fifteen. Jameson Crowder runs like an eight or nine yard route. He's going to get tackled short of the sticks, literally throws it back to Braxton Berrios, who's now, if he's not behind the line of scrimmage, he's only a yard or two from the line of scrimmage, catches the ball and then runs to get the the first down on third and 15. It was a, a very ballsy call. It, it took a lot of gusto there. And shout out to Michael LaFleur because he has been, he's been, he's been on it really, uh, you know, uh, and he stopped calling this offense for Zach Wilson as if 
Zach Wilson is some, you know, 15 year veteran who, you know, all you have to do is drop, drop back pass or, uh, you know, boot action with like, he's running some trick plays and stuff, which is, which is definitely cool to see. Yeah, man. And like you could, as the more innovative that LaFleur gets, you could see him playing more to um, Zach Wilson's strengths, which, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things I know that I said to you, and one of the things I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, and I, I definitely implore our listeners to keep an eye on it as well, is Zach Wilson, you know, watching him, he had that scramble. Uh, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, he had that scramble for a first down and, you know, where he, you know, juked a few guys there on that play. And, you know, I, I, I said to you, Frank, like, look back at the Carolina game when he had, you know, juked like seven guys in the backfield, like, you know, did, didn't go anywhere, but he juked like, you know, three or four guys in the backfield um, and, you know, looked like a punt returner. And I was like, compare those two runs or just even those two actions of him making those moves and, like he had so much more twitch back in September. Like I think he's he's definitely feeling the effects of that knee injury. And I think, you know, as next year he gets a more comfortable in this offense, gets healthier, um, he will definitely have an opportunity to really show people who might be down on him, like myself included right now. Um you know, that they're wrong. So. So pessimistic. I swear. Like, it's, Look, it's really, dri- like it's it. driving me crazy. I like, always it like really this. is. Like, I, just, I don't know what to say. I, I just, at this point, like, there's no magic pixie dust. Like, I, like, I, I just have to see, I believe it when I see it. Like, like, they have to just show me, right? Like, they've showed, like, Michael LaFleur has showed me, right? Like, I, yeah, I talked I talked a ton of smack about him, but at the same time, like all I kept saying was he had to get better. I never called for him to get fired. I just said that he had to get better. I'm not saying that we need to replace Zach Wilson. I'm not saying like, hey, we need to go in this quarterback class and find a way to to get to to you know leverage some of these early draft picks to replace him. I'm just saying he needs to play better. And those can all be true, right? Like I can still believe in Zach Wilson long term while still understanding like hey kid like you have to play better and you have to be better because kid has not played like the number two pick in the draft right like and i hate I, to do this to you frank no no but, but he had he has look at the number look at the number one pick in the draft i mean the number one pick in the draft is coming out of one of the worst situations i'm i'm really not are, are, are we really at a place where we could sit where that much of a better situation Minus the whole Urban Meyer mess, than yeah. Jacksonville. Coaching matters. You're right. Coaching does matter. But let's not look. Let's not look at it like this situation is better than Chicago's situation. Not, let's not look at it like this situation. No, but like Chicago, is better than New England. I was bringing up Chicago actually. Like I know, I know where you're going. And I love Chicago, but you watch Justin Fields play, and you just like visibly like watching like with your eyes, right? Like Justin Fields, does he at times make mistakes? For sure. But does he, do you feel like 
when you watch him play, he gives the Bears some like an opportunity or a chance of some some semblance of of hope that they can actually come back and potentially win a game. You do get that sense. Yeah, but the way I look at it, and this this does fall on JD. I felt like they should, and I said it in the offseason that I believe that they should have brought in a veteran quarterback to compete with Zach Wilson because I thought he had the highest ceiling, maybe not the highest, Trevor Trevor Lawrence I thought had the highest ceiling. and But I felt he he had a, a very high ceiling, but he's probably the least pro-ready out of the three quarterbacks that or how many went five, five, right? So besides Trey Lance, I, I felt that he was the most, he was the least pro ready quarterback that was taken in the first round. When you see in that, like when we talk about Zach, when we, when we broke down Zach, what, what was it that we said that, that we liked was that tight window throws. Excellent. Right. We haven't seen that this year. Accuracy, not not an issue. We haven't seen that this year. Now, what? Why is that? In my opinion, I believe that he's overthinking, and the only way that the game is going to slow down is the more reps he gets. So that is why I'm not jumping off the bridge. I'm not. I'm not going crazy with that and killing the kid like. To me, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to kill the kid this year when all in all he's had some really bad games, but he's played like pretty much like a rookie quarterback can play. Like when you talk about a quarter, a quarterback that we all respect, Josh Allen's rookie year, he played twelve games, a completion percentage of fifty two point eighty one, with a little over two thousand yards. 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. Okay, now do the rushing. And while you get that, on Zach Wilson. 631. 631, how many touchdowns? Eight. Yeah. So my man was – my man was – no, I hear I, – I, I'm just saying that – but Josh Allen is and – and I'm not putting the rushing – when I'm talking about it, I'm not putting the rushing into my mind, and I probably I probably should be because that's makes him the totality of the quarterback that he is, right? But when you look at Josh Allen as a, as a passer now, he's a, a much better – I would say probably a top 15 passer in the league right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, no, total. I I totally agree with everything that you're saying, but for Zach, like Zach Wilson's not, like he's like, I got like he's not Josh Allen. Like he's not like Josh Allen. Is I'm like not saying he is, but I'm just talking about a trajectory. Yeah, like, trajectory. Like when like I talked I, about I, what I, what I Buffalo it. has done, right? Buffalo got Diggs the next year. They just need to get a player like Diggs. That did you see the tweet? Did you see the tweet? where somebody compared the first 10 games of Zach Wilson to the first 10 games of Josh Rosen? Yeah, that was our buddy. Spot on. No, not spot on. It was spot on. Did, did you see the first what he replied after that with the eye test? 
when you use the at. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't DJ that tweeted it. Somebody else had tweeted. Oh, then DJ out. must have retweeted it then. DJ, I saw it DJ off. had retweeted. DJ and retweeted did see it off the DJ's uh, account. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. When I looked at Josh Allen and I look at Zach Wilson, I don't see that same quarterback. You know, especially when you talk about the way he was perceived coming out, right? You, you mean Rosen or Allen? Because you said Josh Allen. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, Rosen, Josh Rosen. Like, I don't view Zach as that way. And remember, there was, remember, okay, remember what people were talking about that? The questions about Zach is that, like, and I think that's why people are bringing it up now because people were talking about it then that the, the, the Josh, like Josh Rosen and Zach Wilson, because Josh Rosen wasn't a captain or, you know, people, uh, people had questions about whether Josh Rosen's teammates liked him and all this other stuff. And you have Zach Wilson here who I think it's so easy to pile on this kid right now. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Totally agree with you. One ten, ten thousand percent. And that's right? the and that's the problem I had with the S and Y guys hammering this kid after DJ asked Zach the question because I felt I felt DJ's question was fair and I didn't. I didn't like Zach's answer, but I get how frustrated he is. I felt like, especially coming from Doosable and Bart Scott, like I just felt it was a lazy take. And I get that they're working on TV and what they're trying to do. I just, I just didn't like piling on this kid because they both should know how, how hard it is to win with a rookie quarterback because they both had to do it with a la Mark Sanchez. I mean, but at the same time, right? Like, I mean, yeah, Bart Scott, yeah, Doosable, not so much. Um, but, you know, both those guys are played – like, they're – like, of all the guys involved in, the, like, right between you, myself, DJ, Doosable, Bart Scott that have an opinion, and there's plenty more people that have opinions – only two of the five have been in NFL locker rooms. Only two of the five would know what it's like to have an NFL teammate who's an NFL quarterback and what the expectation of an answer of some, from somebody like that would be. Right. And I think that that's more the issue is that there was no, there's no accountability, right? Like it doesn't matter what he said, right? All he had to say was, yeah, it's, you know, it's an issue that we're working through as an offense. You know, I'm the leader. I yes, I do take some accountability. But at the same time, we're all we all have to work hard at it to get better. Like say something along those lines, but to just dismiss it as if it's not an issue, I think is what people have the issue with. Because I don't think the answer was great, right? And like like you just said, you don't think you didn't think the answer was great, which means that there was definitely a different way to answer this question without creating so much of a yeah. Stir. But the but the way like when I watch when when I watch them talk it almost looked like they had vitriol like the kid is a young I mean that's kid. just how Bart is I mean Bart for sure Bart that's just how Bart like, is like I, I mean like like when I listen to Bart and, and I love Bart I listen to him in the afternoons with Alan Hahn and I I just I one of my favorite jet linebackers of all time I love how he played and I get you know he's the mad backer and he has that persona right but I feel like he might have an agenda 
because he was harping that the Jets needed um, Justin Fields in the draft. And this season, it like every chance he's gotten, it kind of felt like Bart was hitting Zach Wilson like unfairly. Like the Tennessee game, he was hit, hitting him. Like not giving him any any credit, talking about he only did off-platform form throws you know the Philadelphia game no credit and and then when when they're breaking down the game and and that's and that's the thing when you're breaking down this game and all you're talking about is the second half without talking about the good things he did in the first half like that's when I kind of lose a little bit of respect right okay you want to hammer the kid but also talk about the good things that he did like and I'm and I'm not talking about the off-platform plays that he did because those are like you talked about last week. Those are the aha plays, you know, the the bonuses that we're gonna get. But the checkdowns, the pass to Ryan Griffin over the middle, like those things that he did in the first half were what we want to see going forward. Those are the building blocks that we want to see, and for them just not to acknowledge that kind of had me saying there might have been something else going on. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, maybe they maybe they know something that we don't know. Maybe they have some kind of information that we don't necessarily have. I I don't know. You know, there's a lot of reasons why they may they may feel that way. Um you know, there there have been signs, right? Like and I've said this to you before, and you know, we've talked about it privately for sure too, like there have been signs about this kid that maybe he's not the best teammate or the best, you know, person to be around. You know, we haven't gotten that indication from Jets players, right? But they're not going to flat out come out and say it. Uh, but you don't know what people are saying behind closed doors to Bart Bart Scott and, and you know Leger Dusable. Like those guys are still in the area. They work for SNY. They, I'm sure, they still have connections to Jets players. So. I, you know, it's not out. It's not completely far fetched that some of what they're, you know, they hear or you know, some of the way the reasons they feel the way they do is because of things that they've heard from guys in that locker room. But moving on, because we felt like we spent a lot of time on this subject, let's talk about the defense and the defense again. Last week, you know, we give them we give them a little bit of credit, uh, and you know, they come out again and they play well for a half so you make you makes you think that hey they're gonna put you know they're gonna put another you know they'll you know might be able to put a game together another half together like we saw against new orleans where they put a half of football together um but that's pretty much all it was was a half of football uh because again they proceeded to give up 30 points as as they do every single week it is a broken record with this defense giving up 30 point games i don't understand i'm at the point now where i've just like given up on trying to figure out what's wrong with the defense like it's 30 points and 100 yards rushing guaranteed put it to the bank lock it up that should be your that should be your bet every week every week just build around just, just build around those two props yeah those two prop bets like i like John, that's what you should be writing about every week for your uh, for your day, for your weekly uh, article that you have to write. 
<laughs> like it should be like that some sort of that variation because it is terrible and the tackling that's what baffles me the the tackling on this team from top to bottom and it starts with Ashton Davis Ashton Davis has had an interception he looked he he looked like he was a competent football player for maybe two and a half quarters of that game. And then came that play where he hit one-on-one on Duke Johnson and he like stole his heart. Duke Johnson stole his heart. Like, if, go ahead. No, I, I, I agree with you, man. The tackling is atrocious on this team, right? Like the, it's almost like they don't practice it. You know, we, we, they've gotten so time and time again, where guys will get in a good position. They they're in a position to make a stop, but for whatever reason, they can't finish the job. They can't bring the guy down. And it's like, again, do your job. You're an NFL player. Your job is to, you're an NFL defender. Your job is to, when you get to the ball carrier, you bring them down. Why is that so difficult to do? I don't get it. And again, like you said, it's not just one person. It's all over the defense. All over, right? So it also sucks that no Quinn and Williams, no Foley Fadakasi in this game. Uh, Foley had COVID going into it. Um, Quinn suffered an injury during. So that's definitely going to hurt your, your ability to stop the run there. But tough, tough sled in here. For this Jets, this Jets defense, and especially rest of the season, it's going to be tough sled in here. I mean, they get they get James Robinson this week. Um, who good good luck. I mean, you already can't tackle. Good luck tackling that man. No, it's going to be another hundred yard game for James Robinson. We just got to hope that we could score points on Jacksonville's defense. Got to hope for a shootout. Yeah. Um, I mean, before we talk about that game, because uh, we do want to talk about that game, obviously uh, we do have some time. We do want to talk about the Jets, not really the offseason. And we're just looking at this team and we're looking kind of ahead to 2022. And, you know, we see a lot of these problems that the Jets currently have. And so we, we want to discuss like maybe some, you know, what are some things that the Jets need uh, to patch some of these holes or, you know, fix some of the issues that they have. And one of the things I said to you, Frank, was I think they should take all these picks, these first two picks in the first round, and just spend them on some bullies on the offensive line, man. You'd be a terrible GM. Terrible. Hey, look, man. And you know I love my old line, man. I take take offense to that, first off. I I would be the best GM the Jets have ever had. Uh, Second off, the – I'm, I just say that, you know, tongue-in-cheek because this team is soft. Like, offensively, they're soft. I mean, they're soft on both sides of the ball, but I'd rather be soft. I mean, not soft. I'd rather be, like, physically tough and dominant on offense because I'm just going to pound the ball down your throat repeatedly and there's nothing that you're going to do about it uh, because my five guys on my offensive line are just – physically more imposing than, than your down lineman and your in the in your front seven. So that's why I say that. Because again, they're soft on 
on the front on the and they're they just got even softer with the you know the loss of Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, which obviously we'll cover in a little bit, but he's out for COVID. So yeah, well, they're they they they're soft. They lack depth. I, I think that they have to even if it's not first round picks, they they've got to be some premium second and third round picks spent on the offensive line. And I mean multiple, at least two or three. I think Vera Tucker is going to fill that, fill that going going forward, and hopefully, like I, I think that's the part of not having Makai that hurts is because he's that type of player, right? Like, if someone did what has been done to Zach Wilson with Beckton on the field, I think they would have gotten tossed. Like literally, like it would have looked like that movie with uh, Michael Orr, The Blind Side, when he tosses the kid over the fence just because that's the type of personality that Beckton have has mm-hmm. but when you talk about the defensive side of the ball there's no dogs like there's Jamal Adams said it like six years ago or five years ago the Jets need dogs and which dogs have they brought in since then like CJ Mosley CJ Mosley doesn't look he's not that like, he's a great football player, but he's not that a la Brian Cox, Brian Dawkins type of football player. I mean, I, I think C.J. Mosley was a dog when he got here. He's just aged like one since being here. Yeah. Well, the in, and, he, and he might be hitting a wall. He hasn't played in two years. No, I mean, hasn't played in two years. I think the injuries might have taken a toll. He, you know, he lost some weight to play at a lighter weight. So there's no telling how, you know, what's that what that's done to him physically. Uh, either so, yeah, I I uh, I don't think that they should replace C.J. Mosley in to- in totality, right? Like I think he's great for what for the defense. I think he's a nice piece. I think that that number, uh, that salary is a little bit too high for him to be the highest paid player on the defense. There should be nobody on that defense that's highly paid right now, um, except Hall. Yeah, Bryce Bryce Hall will get there, but. I mean, even him. I need some more. I need some ball production before I start paying you, bro. <laughs> like, let me get a pick or something before before you start asking. Oh, you got that out of Eccles, our first uh, defensive back with an interception. No, our first corner with an interception. Yes, corner. Sorry. Um, you know, so I'd rather have you know a corner there with some ball production. I mean, I was talking to my Patriot friends, my Patriot fan friends, in our chat and. You know, there's, you know, J.C. Jackson's obviously going to be a free agent next year, and he's a guy that's – so they were like, oh, we're going to fra- – we should franchise tag him. I said, it's either that or the Jets are going to make him the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history. And they all kind of – And I don't know if they can afford hate it. it. No, <laughs> absolutely not. The Jets are – I was just – I was just reading a, a, a tweet of – and who was it from? Oh, it was uh, Dennis Wazak. From uh, I think he covers the Jersey Herald. He said the Jets are going to have a projected forty-eight million in cap space this, this offseason. Yeah, I mean, if they can go out and you know, you let's say you go get J.C. Jackson and you put a ball hawking corner opposite, you know, Bryce Hall, and now you've you know you've got a corner that. You know, nobody wants to throw at because if you do, it's going to get intercepted. 
<laughs> and you've got another corner who's just so technically sound that he doesn't, you know, while he doesn't get a, you know, a ton of ball production in terms of interceptions, he will, you're not going to have much, much, you know, success completing the ball his way. And then Brandon Eccles provides some nice depth there. Michael Carter in the slot, you know what you're going to get there. Um, and obviously they got to, you know, shore up the safety position, but I think they need to. But yeah, if they, to- I know, but if they attack that, you got the safe, you got a safety, uh, the safety that's coming out of Notre Dame. You slide him there. Ashton Davis should be good as, you know, what, whatever your third safety, special teams player, third yeah, safety. Yeah, exactly. And now, now, now you could start looking at edge rusher, and like now you don't need to draft for need, which I think the Jets are going to get to the point where they're not going to have to draft for need. And I think that's where Joe Douglas is going to excel. Yeah. I mean, I hope he excels at something because I mean, this 2021 class looking really good. 2020 class needs some help. So we like just hope you got to knock out the park with the 2023 class. Did get Bryce Hall out of the 2020 draft. Bryce Hall definitely was a 2021 uh, wow, I messed up these draft classes. 2020, hope we get something out of the 2021 class. And then hopefully, hopefully we get something out of this 2022 class. 2023 class would be nice as well, though, too. But, yes, Bryce Hall playing well out of that 2020 class. Also playing well from that 2020 class. Actually, I lied because he's not from the 2020 class. Um, but it was going to be my segue. It's a terrible segue now. It doesn't work. But 13 players added to the COVID list. Foley Fadakasi, a Mike McCagnin draft pick, if you believe it or not. Uh, John Franklin Myers. Um, smart. I don't know who this smart person is, um, but smart is a proud on the practice squad. He was added, uh, as was linebacker Noah Dawkins, Homsen Nazaldine, cornerback Michael Carter II, uh, Lamar Jackson. I didn't know he was still here. Uh, on the practice squad, safety, Sherrod Neesman, uh, special teams ace, Justin Hardy, and left guard, Elijah Vera Tucker, wide receivers, Elijah Moore, um, Jeff Smith, and Vincent Smith. Vincent Smith on the practice squad currently. All those players are currently on the COVID IR list. Frank, this next segment, tell them where it's brought by. As always, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But the, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code TPPN, 
this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problems. Call 1-800-GAMBLING. And as my guy here, Frank, mentioned this game or this line for the Jets' upcoming game against the Jacksonville Jaguars is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, where the New York Jets will be hosting a football game. I guess we are legally obligated to call it that against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll be there. At MetLife Stadium, Frank will be in the house. So make sure you go find him and say hello. The New York Jets, our New York Jets, are favored for the first time since week four of the 2020 season when they took on the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football. The New York Jets are favored here against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Two and a half point favorites at home in a a game with a 41 and a half point total. Jacksonville recently fired Urban Meyer. Um, they've got Trevor Lawrence. He's dealing with, you know, some struggles of his own, unlike, not unlike Zach Wilson here. So uh, the Jets' defenses contend to, to, uh, to sense a rookie quarterback and one who is struggling a little bit. And, uh, you know, if the Jets can somehow come up with a game plan here uh, to give Trevor Lawrence some trouble, I think they might have an opportunity here. The only problem is the Jets can't stop the run to save their lives. So they might have some trouble here with James Robinson, who got some squeaky wheel narrative after the firing of Urban Meyer as he was pretty much given workhorse duties there. So everybody is curious what I'm going to say now. Do I have think the Jets deserve to be favorites here? I'm going to say that I don't think that they should. Uh, Jacksonville, again, coaching matters. This is a team that beat Buffalo. Um Granted, again, they just lost to Houston, whatever. I feel like we're not capable of stopping the run, which is going to make this – when you can't stop the run, especially in the NFL, like it's one of the most demoralizing things that can happen to you is the the inability to stop the run because the teams are going to line up, they're going to do it, and there's not – you know they're going to do it, they know they're going to do it, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's literally one of the most demoralizing things that can happen. So James Robinson, tackle-breaking machine, uh, he'll probably put a, put on a clinic. I think the, Je- the Jacksonville Jags do cover. Um, if Elijah Moore plays in this game, I think I would give the Jets a, a chance here because I think that they would be able to score points against Jacksonville. I just don't know if they'll consistently be able to score points without being able to uh, you know, have receivers get open downfield. Yeah, I don't think it matters what level of football, NFL, college, semi-pro, high school, JV, youth. If you can't stop the run, that what are, what are we doing? 
Like you, you just want to crawl underneath a rock. And like you said, the Jets can't stop the run. Vera Tucker's not playing, so that means Feeney's probably starting at guard unless Vera Tucker can't. Yup, didn't think about that one, did you, John? So we could have Feeney playing next to McDermott for a game. With that being said. Playing next to Connor McGovern. Playing next to Connor McGovern. With that being said, I don't think there's any – if that happens, I don't think there's any shot the Jets win the game. So I'm taking Jacksonville to cover. Yeah, this is unfortunate for sure. Um, all right. Well, that being said, Frank, who's your lock of the week here? Now, we might have a little discussion on this, but I am going to take the Bears – Getting six and a half points against Seattle Seahawks. I just think that line's too big. Oh, man. Stephen, speaking of stopping the run, give me Indianapolis getting plus one against Arizona. Yeah, I was staying very clear away from that game because Jonathan Taylor is a bad man. I, I'm trying to get as much Jonathan Taylor in my life right now. Hey, look, man, the man's got a great name. Um, so I'm just trying Taylor? to get his... Taylor? That is, Taylor is a great name. Just talking about Jonathan. But anyway, <laughs> you know, people don't know that's my given name. Go by John. Uh Jonathan was too intimidating for Frank. He didn't want it on the show, so I had to had to go with John. So it was it's very intimidating. <laughs> um but yeah, so until then, I mean I, I guess that's really it for me. I have JT and in Indianapolis to cover against Arizona. And um yeah, until then, I guess wow, until then. Until next time, everybody. We appreciate you guys for obviously stopping in, watching this live, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening, podcasts, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, however you may be listening. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, however you may be celebrating, whatever you may be celebrating. We wish you a Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. I think we'll be talking to you before the new year though so until next time y'all have a good one we're out of here peace peace